I'm just jumping right into it. We're already talking about this. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel made some sort of like joke. And I was like, that shit's not funny. Like, you know, now that we're actually Uh really in the midst of it, any sort of joke about COVID-19 is not funny anymore. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Right. So I will probably put some kind of disclaimer. In fact, I might just add this conversation as a disclaimer of being like, we recorded what you're about to listen to two weeks ago. And in those two weeks, like everything has changed. We're not recording in person anymore. We wouldn't have a person come into the studio with us. We're not even in the studio. With each other. With each other, Mm -hmm. which sucks. And it does. uh, Yeah. And then episode that you're going to listen to that the episode that will come out after the one you're about to listen to is going to be us. Talking, continuing to talk about how weird it was it, it is to exist in this time, and because things are changing so fast, I might just we might have it release this early, which is why I'm hoping I don't. I have think to edit we should actually. Yeah. All right, so that, that I'll, I'll let's do our I'll, regular uh, intro. Yeah, unless is there anything else we want to talk about before we go into the episode itself? Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Cool. Incarceration dwells here And then we moving by the pack So we moving them And even if you don't Then you do cause you cool with them They be like I only went to school with them Welcome to Color Correction A Jesus Jesusy podcast from the perspective Of an Asian guy, a black girl And a white guy too I'm Andrew, he him pronouns, I'm Asian And I'm Bethany, she her pronouns And I'm black and today we have a substitute white guy that we're very happy to have with us. Bethany, do you want to introduce uh, our guest? Yes, I'm going to give us a bigger introduction later on, but we have one of my dearest friends on the podcast, um, Josh, who's going to be talking about um, his perspective of queerness and faith. Um, so I'm super excited to be talking to him, and I'm super excited that we've been on this journey of you exploring your sexuality together for maybe three or four years. Mm-hmm, about that, yeah. Yeah, so... I'm excited. It might be longer, actually. Cool. So the first thing that we like to do is talk about stuff that we wish we had mentioned or wanted to correct from a previous episode. Um, I mean, I'm knee deep in editing it right now. So also, we don't have any corrections. Yeah, we don't have any corrections. Maybe we do. Maybe we'll, we we will think of something, or or maybe you guys will as you listen to it. We'll see. Um, but we do have some perspectives from people who wrote in commenting on what they thought of our previous episodes. Uh, talk about coronavirus if we're like right in the midst of it it feels weird if we don't you know what it feels weird to talk about anything else and that is so infuriating yeah (laughs) so let's talk about that yeah okay guys so if you didn't hear that that well or if andrew doesn't (laughs) take my whisper away from Uh the mic if he doesn't turn that up i just asked him um if he thinks we should talk about the coronavirus because that's all anybody is talking about mm-hmm. right now. So two weeks from now, hopefully this has died down a little bit. Um, hopefully we've controlled the curve of infections. But right now... <laughs> I'm just shaking my head as you say that. Because it's probably not going to happen. I, I think people are going to be listening to this episode in their post-apocalyptic bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like. Do you think we're f- we'll finally get the zombie apocalypse that I've been waiting for? I th- I think it's inevitable. I think we'd be lucky to get the zombie apocalypse. This would be really interesting. So many many years from now, when somebody is listening to this podcast and mm-hmm. they're thinking, "What the fuck are they referencing yeah. when they say coronavirus?" Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like what happens when I watch comedy shows from the early nineties? Right. Uh, there is this virus uh, that is going around right now. <laughs> It's kind of hilarious to have you explain it what to future listeners. <laughs> should I not? I, I feel don't like know. we should. Yeah, why not? So it's happening around the world and it's controlling our lives, yeah. right? So like my job is suggesting that I work from home. All the schools in the in the state have been shut down and in seven other states. And it's just controlling our lives. Even when Andrew and Josh met, they started to shake hands and then they were like, nope, mm-hmm. <laughs> we shouldn't do that. So the coronavirus is is like controlling our lives right now. So it feels weird not to talk about that. But we're talking about it from a kind of funny angle. Mm-hmm. This shit's not funny. It's going to no. like decimate poor black communities. Yeah. The xenophobia towards Chinese folks mm-hmm. has been 
insane. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you're, well, I asked you about it yesterday, but mm-hmm. how are you feeling about that aspect? I mean, I'm just being hyper-conscious about how I'm coming across in that way that racism plays out. Kind of like how I cannot sneeze or cough. Mm-hmm. I cannot risk that. Or if I were you, I feel like if I sneezed or coughed, I would pretend I was on the phone and like mm-hmm. let people like let people hear that I didn't have an accent that like I was an American right. Chinese yeah. person. Yeah, or I something. haven't I haven't been to China like right. that. Yeah, like totally. I would feel like I had to make up for it in y- some way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's I mean that's that's my whole life. <laughs> uh, but you yeah, you can start going by Chad too. Yeah, I feel I like mean, that's super white. I already go by Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> But in any case, this is affecting our lives. This is in the back of our minds. It's 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 pretty shitty. It is so mm-hmm. shitty. Yeah. Like our weekend is so free. We had to cancel one of the workshops that we have been yeah. planning for what? 3 months? Yeah. Then we had already pushed it back once. Right. And we had to cancel it completely because it's just irresponsible to have people right. in large groups right now. So, mm-hmm. anyways, to folks two weeks from now and to folks 200 years from now, mm-hmm. this is a weird time. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, right. let's get into the speak up section. Yeah. So, one listener wrote in to address uh, how um, I had cited James Cohn at the end of our episode on cancel culture and celebrities, basically pointing out how um, when, what James Cohn does there is is paint really um, really bright line distinctions between oppressed and oppressor. But he has criticism, especially from womenist theologians like Dolores Williams, who uh, bring in the idea of intersectionality in looking at that relational dynamic. Basically, it's important to realize that in these complicated power dynamics as we move through the world, most people are not always an oppressor or always oppressed in some ways a lot of us are both at the same time mm-hmm. you know so it's important and realizing that is is a good way to um have empathy and compassion mm-hmm. you know for because just as we can criticize an oppressor we recognize that sometimes we are the oppressor right so that was a great point uh listener thanks for bringing that up yep and our second letter actually comes from a text exchange between me and our guest. Um, so he writes, I do think people have been canceled when they shouldn't have been. Colin Kaepernick was essentially canceled by a big conservative push for protesting peacefully, which essentially made him not wanted by coaches or teams. But conservative pushes are somehow able to avoid the language around cancel culture. Oh, and the Dixie Chicks, too. They were canceled, too. Mm-hmm. Conservative country listeners canceled them for so long for criticizing Bush. So the general rule seems to be conservatives cancel for attacks on their view of what patriotism is. Um, and patriotism often, oftentimes in America is white supremacy. Yeah, and I think you had a really good point where in, when we were talking about that where you said, I think, um, uh, cancel culture for white people and conservatives is to keep people in power and mm-hmm. power whereas mm-hmm. cancel culture for the more progressive uh leanings is to tear down power exactly yeah. Mm. yeah yeah that's a great point i had never thought about how conservatives cancel like the dixie chicks used to be the biggest act in country music mm-hmm. and then overnight they disappeared mm-hmm. like that's that's cancel culture absolutely uh it's a t- totally awesome Valid point. How did it feel to have Bethany read your words? In front of you. In front of you. Weird, because she's read my words more than once uh-huh. on this podcast, I think. <laughs> really? That's awesome. Well, that means that we need more listener letters. So, yeah. if you're listening to the podcast and you don't agree with something, or you totally agree with something, or you have uh, further thoughts on something, um, please write into us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah, this letter um, really leads us right into introducing my dear friend Josh some more. He is a good friend of mine from about almost eight years ago now. Yeah, it's been a long time at this point. Yeah, we did an AmeriCorps program together um, right after college for me and a year after college for you, right? Um, So we did an AmeriCorps program called City Year in Philly, um, and I met him maybe like on the third day of City Year while playing a game (laughs) that I didn't understand, and I thought he had my puzzle piece, and he wasn't giving it up, and I had some choice words for him because (laughs) of it. 
And then she we did. ended up being on the same team. And becoming really good friends, even though I was like... Super dear friends. Hold on, this woman I'm going to have to spend an entire year with. Just fuss at me <laughs> over this puzzle piece. Uh-huh. Um, Josh's first Thanksgiving was spent at my house mm-hmm. with my parents. Huh. And he slept on the couch. And in the yeah. middle of the night, my, he's, my mom saw that his toes were no longer covered and pulled the blanket over his toes. Aww. I woke up and I was like, well, okay, that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> So I say all that to say, Josh is such a dear friend of many years and a great brunch buddy to hang out with and support her. So I'm super excited to have him on the podcast and to really talk about, we have very similar backgrounds. Um, Josh was also homeschooled Mm -hmm. um, and grew up in the church all your life, correct? Yeah. Um, And I would say maybe in 2015, um, was that the year that you came out? Um, 2015 would, pre- yep, yeah, 2015 would be the year that I would say I was fully out in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2015, I got a text from Josh saying that he wanted to tell me something. <laughs> and in the back of my mind, I thought he's going to finally tell me he's gay. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about queerness and faith and how you've been navigating, um, such a not necessarily a new identity, right? No, because it was I think never you've known, new for me. Yeah. yeah, but actually being able to live into this identity yeah. and the complexities and intersections of both faith and this identity that you finally feel the freedom to explore. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Josh, as uh, I think Bethany has said already. Um, I. Uh, grew up uh, very entrenched in the conservative Christian realm, but not only conservative Christian, but the conservative Christian realm of homeschooling on top of that. Ah, homeschool gang gang. Uh, <laughs> both of you guys. <laughs> uh, Christian uh, homeschool. Ah, ah, ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and and I was homeschooled for the entirety of That's my right. education outside of college. Yeah. K through 12. I, I stayed at home and I did my school at home. I've always known that mm-hmm. I'm gay. I cannot tell you a single point in which I did not know that I was gay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I used to put on the pink dress from our costume chest and jump from the top of the stairs pretending that I was Princess Peach from Mario Brothers 2 uh-huh. floating. <laughs> and I got more than one bloody nose from that because I would always face, face plant. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that to me was, uh, uh, that should have been a, a, a tell for mm-hmm. my family. Apparently did they it was not. know? Supposedly, no. Supposedly mm. now. Supposedly What do you now. think their response to you would have been if they had, like, seen you in the pink dress? Oh, they saw me. I just couldn't do it when we had guests around. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of like, this is a thing, and we're not going to make a big deal out of it, but don't let our friends see it. Yeah, I think so. Mm. What was your exposure to, like, the uh, being homeschooled from K through 12? Mm-hmm. What was my exposure you, to? Well, you? you, like, it wasn't, were you raised in a like an underground bunker (laughs) like like, did you know what was our um are you asking if he had language for his sexuality well i guess that's one question but also like how because i i I grew up as a conservative evangelical but i went to public school okay but even so i kind of grew up in the approved cultural christian bubble of approved media you know sure um yeah no uh Definitely my my social circle mm-hmm. was built around other homeschoolers and um, other churchgoers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my entire group of friends, I probably only saw on Wednesdays and Sundays. Interesting. Um, so your world was pretty insular oh, growing yeah. up. And oh, yeah. I think to, as a homeschooler, I can identify with that a bit. Mm. Um, my parents did a lot to have us be around people like us though i also think about the fact though that like homeschooling i think for the most part is a pretty privileged uh world absolutely and on top of that um all the all of the locations that i lived in because i moved around a lot because my dad was in the military that's right all of the locations that we lived in were pretty white mm-hmm. so being homeschooled which is also also already kind of privileged and then living in mainly white locations the homeschoolers that i knew and the churches that i went to were really heavily white and straight mm-hmm. um, so i was not exposed to 
anything that was out of out of the norm, quote unquote, mm-hmm. of what um, is portrayed as American. So your world was pretty insular. I wonder if you saw people that you felt like you could connect with in regards to your sexuality hmm. or if you identified with other people in your circle or if it was like, I don't see anybody that's um, living the life that I'm feeling and I need to like bury this deep. Like, what was that? What was that like for you? Um, up until probably like my junior year or senior year of high school, I did not know a single person who was explicitly gay. Okay. Um, and even then, that person who I knew was queer um, was saying that they were bi, but weren't actually bi like a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a guy? Yeah. So he kind of probably felt like he needed to still show interest in women. Is that yeah. what you're suspecting? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, the only other times that I ever saw, like, LGBT representation of any kind at all whatsoever was I remember, you know, there's always TV, but like TV in the 90s and early 2000s around gay people was not great representation. Mm -hmm. It was super stereotypical. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't remember too much in the 90s, but I think I'm thinking of like Will and Grace in the 2000s. Will and Grace was a good step forward, but a very tiny step forward Mm -hmm. and problematic in its own right. Mm -hmm. Um, Before that, uh, in the 90s, it was all queer coded. Um, So there was never, I mean, except for maybe Ellen DeGeneres, Mm -hmm. there was no gay representation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the, the representation that was there was like, we're going to imply this person is gay or we're going to code this person as gay, but we're never going to say it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Um, and usually that was with very problematic means, um, like their voice and how their voice sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, their their hand motions. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, or uh, the tragedies that they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. Obviously, the gay representation on te- on in media was limited. Yeah. And uh, then the one time that I knew it in person was I was on a family vacation. And we accidentally drove through San Francisco's Pride Parade. Uh-huh. And my <laughs> youngest sister. My youngest sister was like, Mommy, why do they all have rainbow flags? My mom's response, I think, was something like, they're all happy, honey. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. All right. Uh, this is what I want to know, though. Yeah. So how did you, fig- how did you figure out? Your identity. So, um, I mean, I know that always you always uh, knew that you were yeah. gay, right? Yeah. But you in, always knew you liked men. Yeah. 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 I always knew that. Like, there was no doubt in my mind. Right. But ever. what did that, like, did you have any context for what that meant? Or did you know what that was called? Or how did that happen? Okay, yeah. That's a good question. So, um, going back to Disney. Disney awoke a lot in me, apparently. Uh-huh. <laughs> for me, I remember... Uh, Growing up and Aladdin coming out, and I remember I was I think eight when Dang, Aladdin came right, out, yeah. and I remember everyone talking about how Jasmine was too sexual mm-hmm. because purity culture was saying that women have a responsibility around their sexuality, but men mm-hmm. don't. Uh-huh. And I remember everyone like hinting that Jasmine was bad, but no one was talking about the fact that Aladdin was basically my introduction to shirtless men in sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> like. <laughs> I wanted to be Jasmine, and I wanted to do things to Aladdin. Mm-hmm. I just know what those things I wanted to do to Aladdin, to Aladdin right. were. <laughs> you knew you felt this attraction to yeah. Aladdin. Yeah. Like, your focus totally wasn't Jasmine. 100%. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. What did you, when those things would come up for you, what did you feel? Did you feel like, this is bad? Did you feel like... I don't think I felt bad about any of my attractions until puberty. Interesting. Okay. Because um, it's probably pretty innocent until puberty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, up until puberty, it's not about, like, mm-hmm. I'm attracted to them because I want to sleep with someone. It's about I'm just drawn to this person and their their company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, leading into puberty, though, is where, where things started getting, um, where lines started getting drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, because... I don't, I don't, I cannot remember the first time that I ever heard those anti gay verses 
or what are used to be mm-hmm. anti-gay versus mm-hmm. I can't remember the first time I ever heard any of them, but those are um, interwoven. Yeah, into they were all, just in the culture. Yeah, yeah exactly. I get it. Yeah, um, and so I, I knew. I, I didn't have the words for gay. I didn't have the word for queer, especially queer, because queer at that time was definitely offensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, queer has kind of been reclaimed in the last 10 years. 10, uh, I would say it started getting reclaimed in the 90s, oh, maybe really? even the okay. 80s, maybe even a little bit. Oh, yeah. I guess that. we're queer and mm-hmm. we're here. Yeah. Um, but it was still used as a, a derogatory term, um, especially in conservative circles mm-hmm. up until, yeah, maybe the past 10, 10 to 15 years. Um, so the word gay, before I knew it meant, uh, same sex attraction for men, I, I knew it as word happy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I think I learned that word as meaning happy. And I remember thinking and hearing it's been used for something bad, but it's original word, uh, the original meaning of that word was not bad. Mm-hmm. That's how your family explained that word to you. And and the community around The me. community yeah. around yeah. you, right. Okay. The majority of anti-gay stuff that I remember mm-hmm. came from the people that, I, that we knew and the communities that we knew. Instead, my family was more about ignoring uh-huh. than it was about talking about that community mm-hmm. of LGBT people. Mm-hmm. Probably the first conversation I ever remember about gayness was in a homeschool group class. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a literature class. Yeah, how old were you at this point? I probably was 13. Okay. Um, but I was taking a high school class at this point because I read like crazy. Like mm-hmm. reading uh-huh. was all I used to do for a, for a long time. Um, and I think we were reading The Epic of Gilgamesh, if you're familiar with that mythology at all. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so The Epic of Gilgamesh has this weird situation where it's, a, it's an ancient text and there's this one character um Enkidu who Gilgamesh uh-huh. uh loved as a woman it oh, says right. in the text yeah. he loved her loved him as a woman uh-huh. um which to me is very gay sounding mm-hmm. um but i remember my m- one of my classmates asking were there gay people then and my teacher saying no there were not gay people then uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> which i will say is slightly true in the sense that our understanding of gay relationships did not exist sure. at that time in well, our, well, well, our well, language. Our understanding of <laughs> many things is not the yeah. same. But if yeah. we're talking about same-sex attraction, right. Right. that's been through the centuries. Yeah. So what was your reaction to that interaction? Well, I was embarrassed that the question was even asked. Hmm. Because at that point, I had known that I was attracted to guys. Mm-hmm. And, and you so, had the language for it at uh-huh, this point. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not necessarily the word gay, but I knew that like I was way more interested in Joel than I was in uh, Rebecca right. <laughs> that you know that year. Um, Wait, are these real people? <laughs> uh, or are they generic names? Don't answer that. Names. Never mind. <laughs> um, but Joel, if you're out there, <laughs> call me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So at this point, you were 13. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get what you're saying in that there's no like one moment where you, where it's like where someone sat you down and was like this is what being gay means and mm-hmm. it's wrong. It's mm-hmm. just it was kind of in the it was in the it was in the culture and you picked up certain things from the culture and learned about what what they meant. I mean, I kind of I sort of remember having that experience with the word gay in that it was like I I think I I think I first learned it as an insult. I was gonna say the same thing. Mm. Yeah. I feel like people tossed around the f word and gay yeah. as mm. an insult like crazy in right. the early two thousand. Like I learned it as an insult, like being like be, being gay is bad, or you say that's gay to say say something, something is bad. isn't good. Yeah, and then yeah. I learned that oh, it's it it refers to same sex attraction, and it should mean happy, mm. and that's that like mm. that was my exposure to the word. See, it's so interesting to me because the word gay I never heard as an insult. Mm. Really? Because because I think of the people that I grew up around, where like even the word like damn was was too bad to say or right. like dang was was a little bit too uh uh get a little wow. spicy there, spicy there right <laughs> yeah so it's interesting that like you had a dad that was in the military mm-hmm. that feels kind of like super masculine yeah. right like your ideal american man as yeah. a military guy that's right. okay um 
And just like even these ideas that like we're not even going to talk about men as gay. No, seems like there was a very distinct structure of what maleness, manhood, and like masculinity. It, it seems like that probably was very structured for you. Yeah, and I think that's um, a, a a big part of why gayness is seen as as bad, especially for men. I don't think. I don't think it's as seen as big of a problem for women as oh, men no. in the in the Christian community, because I think um, it's seen as if you are gay, it is emasculating. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot of gender norms and gender stereotypes that are being put into play mm-hmm. for for gay men who are growing up or are in the Christian community. Mm-hmm. You talked to me before about a camp that you went to. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems like it was a camp that kind of really perpetuated these ideas of masculinity. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. There's this camp that I went to in high school that was, uh, quote unquote, academic. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea was that you would come in and you would learn about um, other perspectives, um, such as perspectives around like religion or the beliefs around like, what do you believe if you're Mormon? What do you believe if you're uh, Buddhist? It taught you um, how to think of those beliefs and mm-hmm. those other religions, but how to dismantle them. Oh, so oh, it was so like an apologetics, apologetics. Yeah. camp. It was an apologetics camp, yeah. Um, and one of the things that they would do is they, they would have um, one of their speakers come in and pretend to be someone from that belief system. Mm-hmm. And then you had to debate that person. Usually, it was done in an auditorium with 100 other people, so it usually turned into a little bit of a shit show of a debate because you're asking high schoolers to, who are being told that Christianity is the only way mm-hmm. to, to convince a person on stage that Christianity is the only way. Um, but one of their speakers would come in and wear a crazy, frizzy pink wig and pretend to be a gay man. Um, and ask you to debate his gayness, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you? I knew I was gay, and I... I. Did you catch yourself being quiet? Did you catch yourself wanting to go harder? It was the reddest I've ever felt in my face. Mm. Uh-huh. Because I am sitting there, and I'm al- I already know the anti-gay verses at this point. And I'm being told that there is a, an aspect of my identity that is completely wrong. Right. And there's nothing redeemable about it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm being put into a position where people around me who are, I think, are straight mm-hmm. are trying to convince a man who's pretending to be gay that it's wrong to be gay. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like... I remember looking around and being able to see other guys who I kind of thought might have been not straight mm-hmm. and their reactions. Um, there's there's this one memory of this where, like, I just remember this one guy. He was also so red in the face. Mm. And he was one of the golden poster boys, you know, golden child poster boy, was always involved in all of the debates. But the second that this one happened, did not say a single thing during mm-hmm. the entire thing. Wow. What I'll say is me not ever coming out in high school, because I, I came out, relatively speaking, kind of late. Still kind of early in a lot of regards, but relatively speaking, pretty late. Me not coming out was a, a, was an act of self-preservation. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that kid in that room came out at the right time mm-hmm. if he was actually gay mm-hmm. because those are the kinds of things and those are the kinds of situations that we put queer kids into that cause depression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. suicide mm-hmm. self-harm yeah. self-mutilation and those are things that I dealt with yeah. because of those kinds of things. You're, you're sitting here worrying about this random kid, and I'm looking. I'm, I'm worried about you. That yeah. is so traumatizing. I'm yeah. so sorry that you had to go through that. That sounds 
fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> like no one ever sat me down and was like, "This is why you shouldn't be Chinese." Like right. no one ever. Like that's not no. like no. That's not. I yeah. mean, it's implied in the culture, kind of. Well, yeah, but I never but had to go to a camp for it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a crazy difference. Uh, and and I, I I have so many other memories of things like that, though. I mean, I I remember um, when we were. I'm not going to say where we were living because. I don't want to identify this person, uh, but I remember a pastor. I, I mean, I grew up in all like non-denominational churches, which non-denominational for me at least basically just translates to we used to be Southern Baptist. Um, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I remember this pastor doing a series on Revelation, and in the course of doing a sermon, I remember him saying explicitly, the Antichrist will be a gay man. Uh, again, uh, me as a child, mm-hmm. this was probably when I was like 13, again, still. Um, I very vividly remember thinking, that could be me. What if I'm the Antichrist oh, because I'm gosh. a gay man? Damn. Yeah. I had that, that thought process of, I, I could be the, could, I, yeah, I could be the Antichrist. Because it probably felt uh-huh. really isolating yeah. that, like, you were, mm-hmm. that you had same sex attraction, mm-hmm. right? And your world is insular. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that the Antichrist is going to be a gay man. Mm-hmm. And maybe you didn't know there were that many people that felt that way out yeah. there. So it could easily be you. Yeah. 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 100%. I, I didn't hear know that, that thought process. I didn't know that other gay people existed. Mm hmm. Wow. So it almost had yeah. to be. Wait a second. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So regarding that, you like you talked about the limited representation. Yeah. You didn't know that other gay people existed. So what not did until you, high school. Not until high school. Yeah. So what did you think you were? Uh, a fluke. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't think that. I, I, I don't know what I thought I was. I mean, yeah. I always had in the back of my mind i'm something different than everyone else right did you have a perception that what you were was not good or was it wrong or something oh yeah Uh i always had that perception that it was wrong by the time you were at this by the time you were debating a fake gay person at that point did you did you were you ever on board with the idea that you could that it was possible to convince a gay person to not be gay oh yeah oh like in addition to all these conversations around um um gayness as as being bad mm-hmm. um i was and the, again I, I i basically discovered other gay people existed in high school and in high school though it was also when i discovered the idea of conversion therapy right okay um, i don't think we call it conversion therapy at that point we called it reparative therapy maybe oh, jesus yeah um i don't remember what, what we called it either way um the thought process at that point for me was either one of two things. Um, either God changes my sexuality mm-hmm. or – okay, so it's one of three things. Either God changes my sexuality, I never have a relationship ever in my entire life, mm-hmm. or I pretend and marry a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you did date girls for I did. a while. I did, yeah. Um, which I feel kind of bad about. <laughs> do you? Uh, why do you feel bad about that? It was a lie. Mm. It was it was me lying to them and me lying to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And me lying to my family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have this very distinct memory of you uh-huh. talking about a girlfriend of yours. And I think I've told you this story before. Oh, remind me. So you told this story about having a girlfriend that said to you, um, Josh, you're really an anomaly. (gasps) And I expected the story to end with, because I'm gay. And then that was the end of the story. And I was like, oh, I guess he's not gay. That's so... But that was maybe the... it might have been the first day that I met you. I expected that story to end that way. Well, what, you told and the then story? And it didn't. Uh-huh. That's wild. I have not thought about that story, I think, since uh, I probably told it to you. Yeah. Now that I think about it. But yeah, you're right. I did have a girlfriend who told me, you're an anomaly. And it was probably because... She had suspicions. Yeah. That was huh. the... I definitely... I still talk to her, too, by the way. <laughs> well, that's good, yeah. then. Yeah, that's good. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why when you text me a couple of years ago, I was like, this thing that I felt for so many years, he's going to say this to me. Because <laughs> from the first time I met you, I could feel something. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because we had a, a 
deep connection yeah. from the first mm. time we met. Yeah. Our friendship has always been very deep. Yeah. Um, but I think I also understood like the depth of your background and childhood mm-hmm. and how that might be something that you couldn't comfortably live into. Right. Right. So it was almost like when you sent me that text message that I was like, my friend is free. You know mm, what I mean? Like, mm. I think my friend's going to finally be living into this freedom that I've wanted for him for years. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So when you were dating women, was that because you were hoping you would change or was it because you were? Oh, I was hoping I would change. I mean, I, yeah. I in high school, almost every single night laid in bed until two, three o'clock praying that I would be straight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I 100% thought of that at some point I would become straight. How did you leave that behind? Uh, I think I left that behind starting in college uh-huh. when I realized that, like, because I did not date in college at all. Interesting. Um, okay, so that's kind of that second iteration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, it was just kind of that point where I realized in college, I was like, there's an absolutely no way that I will ever, like, truly be so attracted to a woman mm-hmm. that I would be able to spend my life with, yeah. with, with one. Um, uh, so at that point, were you committing to just not being in a celibacy. relationship? Uh, yeah. Okay. Full celibacy. Yeah. And a couple of people in college knew that I was gay because I, but I talked to them, but I was involved with, um, are you familiar with crew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> What is crew? Uh, crew also is Campus Crusade for Christ. Campus Crusade for Christ. Okay. They finally realized that Crusade was (laughs) not a Crusade doesn't have great connotations. (laughs) Uh, So Uh, they shortened to crew. uh Um, And and I remember they they also, I would go to their conferences Mm -hmm. in Colorado because I went to school in Colorado. And they would have ex-gay people come and talk about how they left homosexuality behind. Mm-hmm. and it was always, always, always stories about like, yeah, I was gay. I was sleeping with so many men. But then I realized that's bad. And then I met my wife and I married my wife and I had the best sex ever. Uh, <laughs> You're yeah. just like, yeah. this is gross. It's always like <laughs> yeah. about sexuality yeah. for yeah. gay people. Yeah. So it, I, never, I, I never knew that you came out in college to a few friends. It was uh, so, okay, this, this is what brought crew into it is that the, the people that I told were people who were in crew and they encouraged me to be celibate because you were gay yes okay yep yep. because you know gayness is not accepted right so just don't have sex with anybody yeah or don't love anybody and the the example that people would always give is that like so obviously i've all my life there's i think six explicit pack uh, passages within scripture that says um that has a, a an aspect of same-sex sex being bad, whether or not it condemns gay relationships, I think is a whole nother conversation. But these these six passages are saying that like same th- this type of same sex is bad. Um, but then there, on top of that, there's another passage, I think in First Corinthians, where Paul talks about how not being married is a bigger blessing. Because of that, gay people get the privilege of not being married because mm-hmm. they have to be celibate. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I don't think what Paul is talking about is forced celibacy at all. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole other thing. It I is. Always Tell it to the Paul priesthood. In, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I always read Paul in Eddie Murphy's voice for some reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> That what I envy you. What a blessing that is. Because he's so intense. Yeah. Sometimes, like when I read that scripture, I'm just like, everybody should just be single like me. But if you're not single like me, then this is what. Oh my I gosh. We just need to. We, the next uh, the next audio arts album has to be Bethany doing an Eddie Murphy impression, <laughs> reading the epistles of Paul. That would be so good. We need I, to talk I, to many yes. people. Right? <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. You know what, what is familiar to me about the kind of journey that you're describing mm-hmm. is I've I've heard it from other people who've uh, other gay people who've come through this process where it's like at first they think they they can change and mm-hmm. then they're committed to this is wrong but I can't change yeah. mm-hmm. and I have to commit to celibacy. Yeah. So we talked about how your kind of thought process has developed. Yeah. So where are you now? Uh, yeah, I, I think 
I think I had a step away from because I was I was deeply involved with church my entire life. Like yeah, of course. I don't, I don't think we've like hit on how how hard that I was actually. In the church, I was in crew. I was the president of my chapter of crew at my college. Holy that was, shit. That was entirely student-led, uh-huh. so we didn't even have staff members. I was, like, the person who led crew on, uh-huh. on the campus and things like that. Um, I think me finally coming to terms with the fact that I was gay forced me to step away from my faith entirely. Mm. What got you there? Who? Um... So I moved to Philly in 2012, right? Yeah, 2012. Uh, met Bethany within the first month of me being here. Uh, was closeted. Bethany apparently knew that I was gay, but didn't know for at least another three years until, uh, at least officially didn't know for at least three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, when I when I moved to Philly, I was attending a pretty conservative Christian church here, actually. Um, that was in one of the suburbs. That I don't care. I don't care for that church anymore. <laughs> so I was I was attending a pretty conservative church here in Philly, and then mm-hmm. finally I I got to this point where I was like, okay, it's really hard for me to get this tr- get to this church because it was in the suburbs, and I didn't own a car. Um, uh, I I am deeply deeply unhappy as a person, mm-hmm. um, and I'm deeply unhappy because of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, I had a situation where I ended up sleeping with someone, and my friend somehow, a friend of mine, an ex-friend of mine somehow found out about it, and then proceeded to tell people. So I so was forced. Outed. I was forced into being outed. Yeah. Um, Which is a fucked up thing. Like, yeah, I kind of just yeah. want to pause and say, like, we have to recognize that people's experience with their sexuality is very individual to them and it and their process through that might be like what you identified yeah. earlier of self-preservation mm-hmm. so outing somebody is fucked up yeah. like fundamentally yeah so what was the church's reaction to this or what was your experience after this i i just stopped going to the church and didn't yeah. didn't even wait for a response sure yeah mm, okay. um and uh on top of that, when I was so I was coming out about in 2015, and I started like going to other churches on and off. I tried a few different churches in Center City here in Philadelphia, and a few other places. Um, and finally, 2016 rolled around, and a couple of things happened in 2016. Two specific, very big ones that I think we all remember, being um, obviously the election, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a big one for me was Pulse nightclub. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, Can you tell us what that is for people who yeah. don't remember? Pulse Nightclub was one of, the, one of the art. Is it the largest still, or is it just one of the largest now? I don't know. It was a large, the, at the time at least, the largest mass shooting that America had seen, mm-hmm. um, specifically in a gay club. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically a gay club that was um, catered towards Latinx communities. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Not only were we seeing an act of potential racism, but an act of homophobia as well. Um, and the Christian response to that, I would say, was entirely... I mean, there were pastors that were saying that it was God's judgment mm. against those people. Um, so so seeing, seeing a Christian community respond in such a way like that was um, enough for me to say, fuck this. Mm. fuck everything about any conservative response to the Pulse nightclub shooting. There were there were other responses, too, where, like, people try to convince themselves that it wasn't because people were gay there and things like that. Right. And then, and then 80% of people vote, uh, that, are, that identify as evangelical mm-hmm. voted for... Um, the president. The president that currently is in office right now, and I... <laughs> Uh, was finally like, okay, fully fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> that I, was a wild day when Trump got elected. I don't the next day, uh, you got called a racial slur. Uh, yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
by a guy in a truck driving by. The, oh the best way to do it. Yes, in a truck. <laughs> it's, it's always by. a truck. I got called a fag. <laughs> Sorry if I, you can't hear, say that on this podcast. But I got called a fag uh, by a guy just driving a truck mm-hmm. right by me. <laughs> well, now I wish I had been called the N-word by a guy in a truck. So I can identify with you guys. <laughs> Every you few years it happens. Word, you need to beat that word or edit that entirely. But yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like we should keep language. I don't think we beep anymore. No. Okay. We just put yeah. an explicit tag on things. Yeah. yeah. But okay, uh, so that year you really lost faith in the kind of brand of christianity that you had been raised in or are yeah, you saying like, you lost to, be, fa- to uh-huh. be fair like my entire experience with the church and with christianity has been mm-hmm. conservative republican christian christianity mm-hmm. right so so that's be- your construction of what christianity yes. is though so yes. that's a yeah. real reality uh-huh. i we can cut this out if this is something that you don't want me to share but something that really stood out to me that you said to me when maybe a year into you coming out officially yeah um I was like, what do you feel about going to church? (coughs) And you said something to the effect of Christianity has been such a like big part of my identity for so long that I fully want to explore this part of my identity now. Hmm. And you were referring to being gay. And I, I'm not gay. Right. So I don't know that experience, but I remember feeling almost tortured by that because Mm. I was like, these things aren't mutually exclusive. And it's so interesting that they were so separate for you. Hmm. Do you feel like those two things are still separate for you? Ooh, Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, At the time. Yes. 100%. Definitely definitely was. That's why I never even challenged you when you said it. Um, What I've had to do, while exploring my sexuality and and kind of like I, I wouldn't say I ever left Christianity and never left my beliefs mm-hmm. um, because I do still hold to a lot of I love Jesus. Jesus is a a okay guy by me. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I have I have other problems outside of that. Right. Um, what I had to do was I, 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 I do think that it was healthy for me to step away from my faith. Not not step mm-hmm. away in the sense that like I no longer believe it, but step away from like I'm no longer going to be in a community that tells me that I'm gay. Not mm-hmm. I'm bad for being gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not being around people who are judging me because I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, it, I'm not in a church right now, but I'm looking at like a, a few different churches within Philly that are that are way more progressive than what I've experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. But um, I really had to take that time and deconstruct what I did believe and didn't believe. Yeah. Um, and not only what you be- believed, but what you thought God believed about you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I think that would be the real complication. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Um, for example, I don't believe those Bible verses that I've been mentioning, the so, those six verses, I don't think they're talking about gay relationships. It is fascinating to me that you keep bringing up those six verses because yeah. I can see so much of – I totally get what you, where you're coming from, yeah. be, being raised in this respect for Scripture, right? Yeah. So, and looking at these verses of Scripture and having to reckon with what they actually say or what they say, and also kind of being un, unwilling to just relinquish control of – because I could totally see someone being like, the Bible's fucked up. It says yeah. some stuff. It's over there. And I'm going to do something over here. In talking about what they really say, it sounds like you're still wrestling with what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm still... I'm still um, what I've recently started doing, uh, actually this year, mm-hmm. uh, and we're not very far into this year, is I've started actually exploring queer theology. Yeah. Here's the thing is that queer theology has existed you could you could argue for as long as christianity has existed interesting um but especially within the past 100 years um 150 years probably um those those six verses i keep talking about are are called in within queer theology are called the uh clobber passages Mm -hmm. and um most queer theologians have one of two stances either um we think that the Bible is not fully the word of God like we say it is, or mm-hmm. what those passages are saying are not talking about 
actual gay relationships, but are talking about or are mm-hmm. talking about or power <laughs> structures or ways of what, relating yeah. to one another, yeah. different ways of interpreting. Them, um, yeah. What is interesting like, to me is not necessarily what the scripture says. What's right. interesting to me is your reckoning with you're trying to process what the scripture is saying. I think that's more interesting mm. to me, how you, you, you are pro- trying to process scripture. Yeah, I, I so because I grew up in really conservative Christian household uh-huh. and and churches, uh, every single word in the Bible, yeah, was the word of God. I can totally relate. Yeah, and I think I like the fact that you're just wrestling with this. the mm-hmm. uh, The fact that you can continue to wrestle this, with yeah. this and not just concede. Did not, did not just concede the ground to the people who've who've who, who have claimed it for so long. Yeah. I think is is inspiring, yes. and it's Super something inspiring. that we should commit to because yeah. the I Bible think that's doesn't. What we do all the time. It is the Bible doesn't just belong to you people to to mm. uh mm. you know to the to the conservative people who think they have it figured out. Yeah, it belongs to me and yeah. to you who yeah. are trying to struggle with it in in context of our own experiences and our relationship with who we know God is. Yeah. You know? I always say that white people always take everything like cornrows and <coughs> things like that. I'm <laughs> not giving them Jesus too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not. Yeah. Jesus I'm is mine. He's more mine than he is yours. Yeah. yeah. God is on my side is what I'm yeah. saying. Right. God is on our side. Right. Because uh, God is the God of the oppressed. Yeah. So, and so hearing you have wrestling with God like Jacob did, hmm. Uh, Bible, re- Bible, Bible reference. Bible reference. <laughs> Bible reference. Let's, just, let's just say that Andrew stopped, paused, uh-huh. and looked at uh, Josh in the eyes because he's you know like, what I'm talking you know about. this. Church kid, you know this one. Um, I, I, um, it inspires me. I like that. I like that you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I think that's what I'm tired of. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of being told exactly what the Bible means. Right. Um, when... <laughs> I don't think that it means those things that I've been told that it means mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's encouraging, like Andrew's saying, for you to reclaim that meaning and that Christian identity for yourself. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So, Josh, you're talking about kind of your personal process here yeah. and how you, how you left the church, how you've been processing your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking for? What are you thinking about when you're thinking about continuing to process your faith particularly from like a church community right sure. i mean if you even think that church community yeah. can be part of what yeah. the, whatever isn't coming next looks like yeah. for you sure. um well not right now because of the coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well, sorry you could you could that out. <laughs> had, to, had to bring that back of course <laughs> Uh, no, um, there there are some questions that I, I, I ask myself when I look at a church um, and a church uh, community. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing I always want to look at is, like, what is their leadership structure look like? Mm-hmm. Are they all men? Are they all white? And are they, what is their age range? Mm-hmm. Um, so, if, it, if their leadership includes women and or people of color... Then I will take next step, and then I'll look into what is their stance on LGBTQIA plus people. Mm-hmm. Um, I first look for um, within their about us or who we are or their their um, statements of faith. If they say anything ex- explicitly about LGBT people, mm-hmm. if they don't. Then I might, if I'm like really interested in them as a church, then I might send an email to one of the those in leadership and ask them, please tell me explicitly what is your stance. Yes. Because um, if they are not explicit in their stance, uh, there's there's a lot of problems with that. Because what happens when um, I become a part of a church and a church community and they say, come as you are. Mm-hmm. But then the second I try to become a member or the second I try to give communion mm-hmm. or the second that I try to lead a small group within the church, mm-hmm. what is their response? And they will most likely not have a good response. Yeah. I, 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 I really appreciate churches that say we are not gay affirming mm-hmm. because then I know that yeah. I'm not. At least that doesn't feel yeah. like a betrayal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, good job, Circle, on coming out explicit. <laughs> have you seen the language? I have not seen the language. Okay. 
but at least there's a rainbow flag out front. Mm-hmm. The church is, our church is affirming. Yes. And we recently did a lot of work to get there. Okay, um, great. Um, and then after, after, if there are no queer people specifically within like the top leadership of the church, I'll then look into, okay, so you are explicitly affirming, but will you also um, perform weddings? Mm-hmm. Also, will Because that's a big step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And are there any queer people who are like leading Bible studies or right. leading a Sunday school or leading some form of, or, or is there any, some, any queer person in some form of leadership within the church? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really looking for. So like who's in leadership, what do they explicitly state about LGBT individuals? And are any queer people actively involved within the church? Yeah. So that's what we need to be reaching for, I think, as the church as a whole. Yeah, totally. We love all people. So um, so the last thing we'd like to do is talk about what we're into this week. Uh, you know, Josh, since you're our guest, do you want to <laughs> kick us off? I have a lot that I'm into. All right. I can run it down a whole list. <laughs> um, Give us your top three. Okay. Good Christian Fun is a podcast. Good Christian Fun okay, is a yeah. comedy podcast mm-hmm. uh, where they review Christian pop culture. Oh, whoa. <laughs> you have told me about it and mm-hmm. I haven't listened it's yet. It's hilarious. Yeah. They're really okay. funny people. Um, <clears throat> fully love them. They're they're very, very funny. And they grew up Christian. So they're like, yeah, we grew up with like Newsboys and we're going to talk about Newsboys today. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I've not heard the Newsboys. <laughs> In so long. I know, and uh, this is uh, all right, we got to get through this segment, Ben. We can't just talk about the newsboys and DC talk. Not, all right, we got to get through this. Oh, do you remember Amy Grant? Amy we Grant. can't do this. We're ending the podcast. Amy Grant, because I didn't have gay icons growing up. Uh-huh. Amy Grant is a gay icon for me. <laughs> I don't. Oh my god, that is so sad and so relatable. I, I, I feel so conflicted about that. Um. Queerology uh-huh. is another podcast that I'm really into. Uh, Queerology is a podcast about a guy, uh, and it's a he's a, a gay man who interviews other gay people of faith. Also, just just educate yourself about LGBT history. That's all I'm going to say. There's really good podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. There's really good books where our history has been erased, mm-hmm. just like it's been erased for anybody who's not white. Yeah, mm-hmm. so who's not white look, and who's not. So you got that history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wrote our little outline for the podcast, in case listeners don't know. We try to stay on track to an, an outline. And I wrote like a week ago that I'm very in, into uh, Ari Lennox. She's a singer. Um, and she has this song called New Apartment that I love <laughs> because it describes me every time I'm living by myself. But I have also been into another two singers this week um, since I wrote this outline. Snow Allegra specifically a song that she has called Time. It's a beautiful, jazzy, smooth ballad. Um, And I'm very into Brent Fayez, I believe. F-A-I-Y-E-Z. Particularly his song, Trust. Um, He's kind of just a fuckboy that can sing well, but I enjoy it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Since we are in the middle of the plague... Uh, and we all have to learn how to have alternative forms of entertainment. Uh, this week, I am into tabletop role-playing games. Ooh. What's that? Um, it's like, like Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. And Dragons. Oh. Except if I can recommend a specific role-playing game, I don't like Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's for colonialists. Okay. I think it's a game you where you just kick down a door to a place and take stuff that isn't yours and become more powerful and get better at taking stuff that isn't yours. That's mm-hmm. a fantastic take on that. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah. So if I can recommend a different role-playing game, there's a game out there called Edrigor. This is a role-playing game based on the mythology of First Nations. And instead of just uh, killing goblins and taking their stuff... It's got this really rich um, root in indigenous mythology and um, has all these other ideas about cooperation and, and working within this really cool world that he's built. Uh, so I recommend that. And also role-playing games in general because who knows, that might be the best entertainment that you get since everything else is canceled. <laughs> everything is canceled. Yeah. Um, 
that's our podcast. Yeah. So special thanks to Joe Mahoney, our technical director, and also to Luke Bartolomeo, our communications manager. Uh, Jared Selby does our theme song. And listen, guys, we want to know who you are out there. So be sure to like our Facebook page, Color Correction Podcast, and write to us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com. We see all of you listeners in different countries. I recently noticed India. So hey, India. <laughs> um, but let us know who you are because navigating um, race and faith in Jesus following is really difficult. And we want to know how you're doing it where you're at. So with that, stay black, Little Mermaid, and stay healthy. Thank you.